You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. It is a time of unrest in 1920-plus Europa. The ashes of the First Great War still darken the snow. The capitalistic city-state, simply known as the Factory, which fueled the war with heavily armored mechs, has closed its doors, drawing the attention of several nearby countries. Scythe is an engine-building game set in an alternate history 1920s period. It is a time of farming and war, broken hearts, rusted gears, innovation, and valor. In Scythe, each player represents a character of one of the five factions of Eastern Europe who are attempting to earn their fortune and claim their faction's stake in the land around the mysterious factory. Players will conquer territory, enlist new recruits, reap resources, gain villagers, build structures, and activate monstrous mechs. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. We are your hosts, Justin and Ricky. And of course, we're talking about Scythe. And as, uh, Marion Webster would describe, uh, scythe is an implement used for mowing grass, grain, or other crops, and composed of a long curving blade fastened at an angle to a long handle. So you know we're in for a good time today. Yeah, this is a totally different scythe. I'm very ill-prepared for this episode. Well, um... I've just been sitting, <laughs> we live in the Midwest, I've been sitting out in the fields. It's the winter. Yeah, trust me, I didn't get much done. Did you did you eat? Let's not talk about me. All right, but <laughs> before we do anything, let's talk about our role recap. Justin, what have you be- been playing? I'm going to beat you to this one. I've been playing a lot of Scythe. Okay, fair enough, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, it's been, um, some Marvel Champions. Yeah, a lot of Marvel Champions, actually, in, uh, in addition to this. Um. Still going, uh, still going well? Yeah. Marvel Champions? Enjoying well, it still? Wrecking Crew came out, got to, to mess around with that. We played against ABBA, or the A-B-B-A difficulty. ABBA! ABBA. Uh, the Were dance- you a Dancing Queen, or? No, we defeated the Dancing Queens, mm. and this Wrecker and his crew. Ah, fair enough. Um, but it was actually a challenge. Playing it solo, I never really felt threatened by the Wrecking Crew because it was very easy to control. With a four-player, slightly, like, not on standard mode, but not full expert mode either, because uh, essentially they all have A or B sides. B being more difficult, so when we played it, it was two A's, two B's. Mm. Thus, ABBA. ABBA. Um, and it was definitely a challenge, and it was on the ropes. Like, we did pretty well early on, and then uh, Bulldozer did a lot of damage, and then uh, it wasn't looking so good for a while. We had to have our She-Hulk sacrifice herself uh, for the better of the group, and we did pull it off, but it was it was very, very close. Nice. So, a um, lot different experience with playing a uh, full multiplayer table there. Um, and also kicked off a, not one, but two Arkham Horror Return to C- the Path of Carcosa campaigns. Uh, so two teams of four going at it for that as well. And you're still doing that over at our, uh, friendly local gaming store? Yep. Correct? Oh, 
Beautiful. Yep, yep that every Tuesday, do LCGs there. Um, and then we'll do board games usually on Fridays, but they also have a board game group there on Thursdays. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Almost There's almost always gaming there in some capacity, whether it's miniatures, cards, or boards. Very, very nice. Um, we, I have been playing a lot of Harry Potter, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, Death Eaters Rising and uh, Hogwarts Battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, me and my girlfriend hit a milestone. We combined our board games. So now um, we just finally put up shelving units in our new place for board games. And, you know, along with my Arkham Horror and um, Legacy games, all kinds of fun stuff. I now have Mall Madness, um, Toy Story 3, Yahtzee. Um, so we're we're about to have a lot of fun. Uh yeah. Um, Scooby-Doo Clue. Yeah. So we have we have quite the diverse uh, collection going on. Although, speaking of Scooby-Doo, we did see that they are making a... Um, Scooby-Doo Mystery House. Yeah. Um, Betrayal uh, Skin. Yeah, it's the, the skin that everybody asked for once they started playing Betrayal like, uh, at the House on the Hill. Mm-hmm. But uh, instead, we now get it as a official skin, and more importantly, it's not one of the Scooby gang that goes with Traitor, mm-hmm. but there is still that mechanic of once the haunt begins, uh, someone will t- play the opposition or monster mm-hmm. that you're facing. So it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more tweaked to make sure it keeps the Scooby-Doo theme. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice. Uh, this isn't our first skin that we've seen. They did uh, Betrayal of Baldur's Gate, which is a D&D version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's Betrayal Legacy, which was the origin story of the house. Um, if you play through that and you craft kind of your own copy, but also kind of get the history of why certain rooms exist in that house. I still had a lot of fun with that. It may have taken us forever, but that was that was a ton of fun. That wasn't too bad. Yeah. Looking at a lot more conventions this year. Mm-hmm. That too. More, more local ones. But. Are we doing gaming hoopla? and uh, Hoopla might be a thing. Um, GaryCon might be a thing. Midwest Gaming Conven- uh, gaming Classic. More video games than board games. But you know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, Adepticons in a month. These are all within a month. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think Adepticon and Garycon might actually be the same weekend. Unfortunate. Well, they hit two very different target groups. That's fair. And are about an hour apart from each other, too. Fair enough. So do you want your uh, tabletop RPGs and some board games? Or do you want your Warhammer... (laughs) Tabletop strategy games. Tabletop war game with miniatures Mm -hmm. and some board games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's you know miniatures versus RPGs. Mm-hmm. So I think they both have a niche, but there is definitely some crossover between them. Mm-hmm. Um, so both are fun. Been to been to both uh, in the past years. So yeah, uh, lots of stuff going on there. Without further ado, I think it's time to talk about some scythe. Yeah, and um, not the farming interest. You can instrument. use it as a verb. 
Nope. Um, nope. To use a scythe? Nope. Um, how about a transitive verb? Nope. Uh, to cut with or as if with a scythe? You know what? I'm going to practice my scythe on you if you keep this up. Um, first known use of scythe before the 12th century. And the mean defined above. So, I mean, to scythe something. Are you good? I mean, there's a lot of history here. I can keep going. Right. Let's talk about the board game now. Okay. So, Scythe uh, is published by Stonemeyer Games, um, designed by Jamie Stegmeyer. Um, and also, uh, Jacob uh, Roski uh, developed the art for it. And if you actually look into it, it's kind of a collaboration of game mechanics married a alternate 1920s universe art. Um, so the artist worked on kind of developing the look and feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the designer came up with this game mechanics and then kind of together made it into a thing that we have today. So it's not really like, did art come first or mechanics come first? They kind of were working on it independently and then smashed it together into this beautiful mm-hmm. like Reese's peanut butter cup version of board gaming and art. You got your board game in my art. Well, you got your art on my board game. Exactly. So, um, core box is one to five players. Mm-hmm. Um, plays about 30 to 40 minutes per player. Mm-hmm. And with a little bit of a rules download, it really does go that fast uh, once you get going. Because um, essentially, your actions are pretty quick once you understand the icons mm. that you're using. Um, besides that, it's um, a little bit on the medium weight side. It's definitely not, there's definitely heavier games out there. And the other big thing that it does is it's a engine building and almost Euro heavily themed game, but does the Euro points. Well, with a little bit of area control, because that's how you get your resources and stuff. But realistically, while it has giant mechs and battles and the war theme attached to the look, you don't battle as often as you would anticipate by looking at this game. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those have that expectation. Now, there are a couple factions within the game that do like conflict more than the others. But you can literally have a game without a, a single fight and still win. Mm-hmm. So... Um, our first impressions of it, my first impression of it, and I'm going to say it's about, I mean, bring this up about every game that we I'm going to beat you to it. The art. The art is spectacular. Yeah, no. That's what keeps me engaged on this game more than anything else. And I'm usually a mechanics guy. Mm-hmm. But I love the look, the feel, the 1920s plus mm-hmm. um, alternate universe. Because essentially, it's 1920s, but now World War One was developed with mech, like almost steampunk-looking mechs. Yeah. Uh, and airships and things of that nature. Mm. So it has a definitely different look and feel, but it definitely, oh boy. Yeah. And it's not just the board, but the player mats, the faction mats, the encounter cards, your secret objective cards, all have this beautiful art throughout the whole thing. So. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no piece of cardboard untouched with this art. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, which is just fantastic. 
Um, I personally, like, so we have played this game before uh, several times, mm -hmm. and for me to be able to get into the game a little more, I went and I picked it up through Steam, um, where mm -hmm. Stonemaier, um hooked up with the Knights of Unity, and even, it, it's a $20 game. Yeah, if you pay full price. Yeah. It's on sale often. Yeah. So you could probably get it for about 10 bucks if you're patient. Yeah, and I believe I got the bundle, which came with um, Invaders from Afar. Uh, so yep. altogether I paid like 26 bucks. Um, and the game itself has all of the art, which was fantastic yes. to see. Um, the, the, yeah, the digital edition that Knights of Unity put together with them was a one-to-one -one translation. Mm-hmm. All the encounter cards from the core box are there. All the factions from the core box are there. When you add um, the invaders from the far expansion, the two factions, that adds those are like everything's there as if you had the physical game. Mm. Um, so much so that even the pieces are digital renders of the physical pieces in the game with some bling options if you want them because the minis come unpainted and they're unpainted in the video game version, but you can mark that, hey, please put colors on these, and they mm. have them digitally painted for you. Um, just like the your, your worker meeples are just normal cart or wooden-looking tokens. Mm. You can actually get stickers and make them look extra fancy in the real world. game does the same thing for you, too. So, yeah. Um, that's how, like, really it is a one-to-one -one translation at that point. Art is fantastic, um, and the game just... It, it, it plays, you know, I've played some games on things like uh, Tabletop Simulator, yeah. or um, I do believe there's another Tabletopia, yeah. which is another one on Steam, um, where they go, here's the game, have at it. Yeah. Like, you have, you, know, you like, they'll set it up for you, but then it's just free reign to do whatever you want. Um, the digital version of it also just guides you through everything. Tutorials are fantastic. Um, everything is fantastic. Um, but let's, let's jump into the actual playing of the game. What 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 are some uh, things that you thoroughly enjoy about this game? Well, let's talk about how you play this a little bit okay. first. Because that's going to help kind of shape that discussion, mm. I think. Because everybody gets a random faction, or however you want to do it. Sometimes I've, I've had players draft and things like that, but you essentially mm -hmm. get a faction board, which is what your mechs and your character powers are going to be like, plus a little bit of your starting stuff. But then every player gets a um, player board, which is your actions. Now, mm -hmm. there's four top row actions, and there's four different bottom row actions. Each player board mares or pairs those actions differently. So that's one of the big differences between the player factions. And what faction you play and what player board you get give you a feel of how you're supposed to interact with this game. So on your turn, you take one of those four top row actions, and then, if you can, a bottom row action in the same column. Mm -hmm. And the only real restriction is that your next turn, you have to do a different pairing of actions. Here's the downside, though. It's an engine building game, so your first turn you can pretty much do a top row action, because most of those don't have a cost, or the cost is very minimum, mm -hmm. and you have to build your resources in your in your power base and to start doing the bottom row action. So ideally, your second, third turn, you're starting to do a top row, then the bottom row. And then it's kind of a smart choice of which one 
you're picking next to then mm -hmm. fuel your next choice and next choice and next choice and next choice and next choice. All of this being said, your goal is to get six stars. They're almost like a cheap, uh, they are called achievements, but they're, they're like, you know, did you do mm -hmm. this? Then you get a star. First to six ends the game. Uh, that's the core rules, so one of the expansions we'll talk about mixes that up a little bit. But ultimately, you can get your six stars from putting out all of your upgrades on your player board, putting all your mechs out, putting all your, your structures or buildings out. Um, they have recruitment, which is a bonus piece that you can put out, um, putting, uh, recruiting all of your workers, doing your, one of your two secret objectives, uh, winning combat. Can get, you can get up to two stars for doing that. So there is a little bit of benefit doing combat, but you can only win up to two stars for it unless you play a specific faction. So that's where it's not as a big thing as you would think it is. Mm. Um, gaining all 18 points worth of popularity or 18 power. Um, so what was that? Ten ways to get stars, and you only need six of them. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you don't have to do combat, and you can still win. Uh, a lot of it is a pacing mechanic of you want to be in a good position when you get your six star, because ultimately your money is what you, gives you the victory at the end. So you can even end the game with getting your six star and not win the game because you don't have more money than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Downside about that is money is also what makes the world go around, so a lot of your action, top row actions require you to pay some money, or some of even your bottom row actions can, can cost some money to... Yeah, mm. so... It, it's all about managing your piles of different resources, whether it's the physical resources or your cash or your actions. So it has a lot of that going for it. Um, the nice thing is, from a one-player game, you have a automaton um, automa deck. So you, it has a bot that you can have different difficulties on and play against, and it has its own rules. Um, obviously, the PC uh, Steam version has AI that they programmed that pretty much does a little bit better than the uh, the automa because they actually have, like, logic built into it. Mm -hmm. The Automa deck is like, okay, do this, and then logically it would do this instead or this instead, if, if possible. Um, two, three, four, five players, it plays pretty well in most of them. Um, the more players you have, the more crowded the board gets, so there is more conflict with higher player counts, but... A two or three player game, you can go an entire game with none, not a single player mm. initiating any combat. So, either way. That all being said, things this thing does well, besides the art. Because it does that fantastically. Uh, so much so that there are hidden Easter eggs in the board. Mm -hmm. And then... They've added to those with the modular board, which is one of those add-ons that we'll talk about at the end when we talk about the expansion pieces. But they even put Easter eggs on that. So everywhere, um, there, there's little nuggets of things to pay attention to and look at and, and, and keep yourself fascinated. Um, when everybody learns this game and you're not in teaching mode anymore, 
turns go fast. Mm -hmm. There's usually not much that's going to change within a turn or two of yours for you to already have an idea of what you want to do next. There is sometimes the occasional, like, well, someone moved where you were going to move. Do you want to start that fight? Do you not want to start that fight now? Questions. But really, it's you can plan a turn or two ahead and know what you're working towards. And as it comes to your turn, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, so much so that if once you do your top row action, your bottom row action, you can do that, and the next player can pretty much start their turn right away as you're finishing yours. Um, there's a lot of good stuff going for in that um, capacity for it. Um, components, pieces, all top-notch. Uh, my copy is personally blinged out because I do like this game in, in a lot of ways. And Your, your edition's um, completely blinged out. I can do a little bit more, but... Oh, it's... I know you could, and I know you would. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can upgrade your cardboard money to actual metal coins. You, you can upgrade your resources, so your oil, your metal, your wood, and your food can have realistic-looking resource tokens. Um, you can upgrade your board. There's actually two sides to the board. There's a standard size that the game comes with, and then the flip side is a 70, about 75% larger. And you get a, a sideboard that attach, pretty much bumps up against it, and all of a sudden everything has more space. A lot more useful in bigger count games because there's a lot more space for people to put all their pieces around. Um, and that's just some of uh, the... There's extra encounter cards and promotional cards, all of which aren't like Kickstarter locked or anything like that. You, like, you can get everything for mm -hmm. the game, and there's no exclusives hiding out there in that sense. So these are all... Were all these add-ons that you had, did they come straight from Stonemaier, or did you have to pick them up through a different company? Uh, Stonemaier works with MeepleSource. MeepleSource, okay. Uh, for a lot of the extra bling. It's, um, and they, they definitely encourage people to go through them and, and get their stuff, and uh, MeepleSource is actually relatively good. Um, and they're usually at most conventions too. So you can usually, like if you go to Gen Con, you can get a lot of your upgrades right then and there without mm -hmm. having to pay shipping. Um, and they have kept, um, Meeple Source is actually a, a fantastic resource we talked about in our upgrades and, and bling episode. Mm -hmm. um, but they have a lot of like premium resources, different meeples, discs. Um, you can actually go for per game. So they have actual little like wizards and clerics and fighters instead of the cubes and lords of Waterdeep, they actually have little meeples versions of those character types so like it's yeah you can go crazy on that site with a lot of different games most of them are a little bit on the euro side so it's usually wooden components or, or meeples attached to that mm. so yeah that's i can keep going on good stuff I mean, this, there's a lot of good stuff in this game. The good thing too is, I mean, this is, I mean, it's a, it's a newer game, but at the same time, it's one of those like instant classic games that people want to keep around and want to have pull like pull it out when they have a big group of people over, or a decent sized group of people over and play. Um, so there are a lot of other resources. I know Broken Token makes a, a really good um, um, 
box insert for this to put everything. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a lot of pieces. Um, yep. So, and it, it's, it's not going anywhere. I mean, it's popular enough that they've put out uh, expansions. It's popular enough that they put it on the PC. It's it's. A lot of the expansions were kind of pre-planned. Um, mm-hmm. This was a Kickstarter project at first um, for the initial launch, but every since then it's been actual releases. So on the main board, um, all seven factions actually exist in the core game because the Kickstarter got that first expansion. And then they released it for retail for, for everybody else who didn't get it through the Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. that's Invaders from Afar. Um, benefit of that one, though, is that brings you up to a seven-player count, gives you two more factions, two more uh, player boards. It's, it's probably your first expansion to get, um, hands down, is that um, Invaders from Afar. So... What else? What else do you feel that this thing does well? I mean, it's a war game that you can play with your friends, and at the end of it, not feel like you want to murder them. Yeah. And you spend over an hour, hour and a half playing it, um, and when you're done, you don't feel like you need to just rage quit. Um. Yeah. Player elimination is possible, but very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because everybody kind of has a home base that you go back to when you're defeated so you don't really get kicked out of the game you can kind of get blocked there technically but it take it takes a lot of effort and someone has to actively try to do that and it, they're pretty much sacrificing their game to do so mm-hmm. so it's it's not worth it in the end um there's a lot of a lot of good pieces moving on um what's not so great first playthrough um trying to understand all the rules because it is it is a very intimidating game trying to understand everything as it's laid out in front of you isn't the best it is one of those games that you do take two or three moves and then you go oh oh okay Mm -hmm. and then you start getting into the swing of things it may be difficult to explain to people who've never played it before I know you probably have a different experience, but you're used to actually showing people how to play games. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot going on, so if I try to describe it to someone, I sometimes lose where I need to start to tell people how to play. So it's one. this is actually one of those games that you need to get people playing mm-hmm. while you're explaining. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty simple. Everybody's first turn can take a different top row action, and you explain the actions as they go. Because there's, unless you're playing in a high-level game, there's a lot of squish in that early, in some of those early turns that the game's forgiving enough. If you make a mistake here or there mm-hmm. early on, it's it sucks because you may not be the first one to get a star, but that doesn't mean you're not going to win. Yeah. Um, no, I know what you mean. It, when I first learned Scythe, it is very icon-heavy, very Euro, and very, like... There's a lot to pay attention to. Once it's almost like understanding a, uh, a bit of a board game language. Once you understand the icons, mm-hmm. everything clicks and you're good. Um, it's just getting to that icon level is um, 
depending on what caliber gamer uh, learning you have, can be challenging. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything else? I'd be the majority for me. I mean, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. It okay. is something I would like to uh, bust out. I, 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 you know, picked up the digital copy. I am going to pick up a physical copy as well because it is something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I'm going to lead into our who would we suggest this for with with this. Um, me and my friends used to play uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Middle Earth Risk. Mm-hmm. And we would play, it would be four of us sitting there. We would play for three hours. We'd all hate each other at the end of the night. This is a game that I feel like I could bust out with that same group. We'd have a lot of fun, thoroughly enjoy it. And at the end, again, we won't hate each other. Right. There's no... You could have above-the-table sort of diplomacy, but there isn't necessarily a diplomacy style it is more risk in the sense that like okay this is what's going on but you're mm-hmm. not battling each other over territory because mm-hmm. there's usually especially in lower count games there's enough there's enough spaces to go around you're just probably in a two or three player game enough space for everybody to go habitate mm-hmm. it's when you're at the five six seven player counts of yeah, there's not enough space for everybody, and that's where you start bumping into each other. It's a little bit of like a small world uh, feel mm-hmm. there. Um, one of the negatives I actually have in this game is when you lose a fight, you actually go back to your home base. Mm-hmm. All of your pieces, anything that gets lost, whether it's your workers, your mech, or your, your character that's running around, all of them get sent to your home start. And you have to move from your home start space by space back out now you can't take the same action twice in a row Mm -hmm. so this means you can only advance your pieces pretty much every other turn caveat there are other ways to manipulate that system a little bit but really unless you're playing a specific faction or you've been to the factory and have a second or fifth uh, action card or some other mechanic the core rules are pretty much every other turn you get to move those pieces Mm -hmm. And you can only move two to three of them, depending on your upgrades. And that's two or three of them, one space, maybe two, again, depending on your upgrades. So when you get sent back home from a very like far out or strategic spot that you wanted, it hurts. It hurts more than just removing the pieces from the board. Yeah. Now, I, the game design aspect of that is you don't ever take pieces off the board. Once you've built something, you have it. Mm-hmm. It's always there for you. I don't feel going all the way home. I feel like it, it, when, I, when that happens, it feels worse. Because mm-hmm. it's like, not only did your plans get screwed up, but now I have to march all the way back out there if I want to even try that again. I, you have to come up with a different strategy. But that's, that's my big strategy take away from this game of like that's a thing and it's a powerful thing to do someone late game to kind of screw them over and and like spike their plans if you can pull it off Mm -hmm. combat's kind of a betting game yeah you can bet up to seven power if you have it Mm -hmm. and then you have a deck of combat cards that are two to five twos and three power levels are a lot more common than the fours and fives 
which is neat is also on the board they actually have the what the deck is made of mm -hmm. the card count on there so you know the probability and you can actually kind of card count in your head like okay i've seen fives or i have a bunch of fives there's only six mm -hmm. in the deck so that means they don't have a five mm -hmm. they might have a four but they don't have a five or, you know, and then you have some of your mech powers and things that can trigger and bounce off combat. But combat is actually relatively predictable. You can kind of crunch some numbers before advancing and going, yeah, I think I can get this. Or there's no chance. Mm -hmm. Or it's somewhere in the middle of, like, because it's a little bit about, you know, what card you use and how much power you bet against it. You know the range of what they can do. You don't know what they're going to choose. And that's... That's the random element. It's not even really that random because it's all player choice. There's no dice rolls. There's no anything like that. So it's a good aspect of the game, but it's also one of those when you lose combat, it's bad. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's worse than just removing your pieces. So that's my, my major beef with it. Not that it turns me off, but just it's a mechanic I don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, you just don't enjoy being on that side of it. Yeah. I don't like doing it to people, honestly, but that's mm -hmm. the type of player I am. Yeah. Like, I don't mind setting people back, but, like, worker placement games for me are great because if I take a space that you were looking at, most of, most of the decent worker placement games, there's at least one or two other spaces that, A, you can go to, B, they may not have been your top pick, mm -hmm. but they're still going to do something for you. Yeah. Like, you still can make progress. It's just the, your optimal move was taken away instead. Mm -hmm. Instead of, I've taken their fun and sent you home packing. Yeah. Which is how I get the feeling out of this one. Um, anyway, um, I think that's enough ranting and raving about that mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with all that being said, I've already said who I would suggest this to. Who would you suggest this to? Um, this is a strat uh, like engine building strategy game for someone who likes to pre-plan the turns, and also likes um, not only just a, like a pretty, pretty, pretty game to stare at as you do so, but a game that also has a lot of replay value because what fact there's seven different factions, there's mm -hmm. um, uh, seven different player boards, and all those can be combined in different ways. Now, there are some errata online that say certain combinations should not be allowed. And that's only because after the fact, um, there's a little bit of a broken power moves with those particular, like, one or two combinations that are out there. Mm -hmm. Like, Rizvit and um, can use the same action over and over again, so there's a player board that they can exploit pretty easily by doing so. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no harm, no foul. If you are not familiar with that, it's actually all on the website, and you can easily look it up. Um, or once you see it in the game for your first time, you'll go, oh, yeah, that's OP as heck. Yeah. Um, I should probably not do that. So there's a lot of um, positives there. I'm trying to think. If you're looking for that step beyond your gateway game and you actually want to get something with a little bit more bones and meat in it, uh, this game definitely has that. And yeah, I think that's I think that's my top top players. Mm -hmm. uh, you hit it right with those the people who like the idea of a 
conquest or engine building resource gathering game that you are competing against each other but don't want to have hurt feelings mm -hmm. it does have that um i just always caution people like it is not a combat game it, risk is a very poor connection to this because you're not really going for land grab you're trying to do the best you can. The most land grab is trying to get to that factory in the center so you can get an extra action slash three territory points at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, that's part of it, but it's yeah. only one aspect and you can win the game without doing it. Yeah. Um, now, for people you wouldn't suggest this for, um, I will... I'm only going to say this because I forgot to m mention this during my uh, the things I didn't like about this. I'm very particular about card sizes mm -hmm. to be sleeved. And these are 70 by 110 centimeters versus, um, or these are 70 by 110 millimeter, mm -hmm. which is 10 centimeters shorter than the like standard tarot cards. Yeah. So the sleeves are a little bit bigger on it. And so all you do is you cut that. Yeah, but then it gets all funky, and trust they don't. me. Because uh, you're just cutting the top off. They will be fine. Yeah, I know. I need to do it. It's, it's the same grape I have with... It uh, takes a little effort, a little work if you actually want to sleep it. But honestly, there's so many encounter cards if you get them all. Uh, you almost don't want to because that deck gets pretty beefy. Yeah, I... Um, it's actually the one thing that gets expanded mm, um, with uh, promos and encounters. Mm, so I get... I just get particular about my cards, and that's the one gripe I have with uh, Hogwarts Battle is the fact that they have so many funky-sized cards in there that you have to kind of... They have the uh, Dark Arts cards, which are 40 by 40, which I found... They have through... three. There's only three sizes. Yeah, they're all funky, except for yeah. the Hogwarts cards. Those are just standard playing cards. Yeah. Um... But I digress. I like to be able to buy all same brand. Everything's the same quality, so on and so forth. You can find sleeves for these cards, um, but you're going to be looking at like Mayday Games, Swan Sleeves, or Sleeve Kings are the only ones that I could find online. And they're thin, but I digress. Um, other people I wouldn't suggest it for, someone who enjoys making others feel bad in risk because you don't get that same kind of satisfaction at the end of it. Like you said, it, it shouldn't be compared to risk, but it, it's when you, when you finish the game, there's not a lot of hard feelings. If you're trying to make it hurt after three hours of playing. Oh, I can make people meh, mad at this game. Not as much as risk. Well, no. probably, probably you can. It, the, and this is what leads into why I would not suggest this for people who are highly competitive, mm -hmm. have attention span issues, mm. um, are easily distracted, or do not like a game that can suddenly end without notice. Mm -hmm. You can, and it's one of the dirtiest tricks in this game, is to end the game before everybody else is ready. Yeah. It's how you win, really. But if you can set yourself up in such a way and rough either... You have to control the end game mm -hmm. is, is one of the biggest pieces. So if you don't like a game that's like uh, suddenly like I make my move and uh, game over. Thank you everybody for playing. Mm -hmm. Let's count up points and I win. Yeah, because it's not like... Um... It does. You do not finish. You finish your action. 
Yeah, it's, and it's over. Yeah, it's not like uh, um, Ticket to Ride where you say, "Okay, I just did this. There's you guys no, have one more round." It's I just did this. Nope. There's no additional round. There's no additional turns to finish. Yeah. To make sure everyone has even turns. It is someone places their six star game over. Yeah. So those sudden endings turn some people off from this. However, I will caveat that that there is an expansion. Um, the wind gamut that changes and can give up to seven different end game conditions mm. depending on what you want to do that's also the expansion that adds airships to the game mm-hmm. and the airships themselves um the end game conditions um as well as the airships are optionals you can have that one both neither but the airships themselves add a little bit of randomness because there's usually a passive power and an active power that they have. And depending on that combination, they can either be super cool and super useful or I guess airships exist. Mm. Um, so those two expansions are, are pretty good. Um, Wind Gamma is probably the weaker compared to um, Invaders from Afar. But then there's also, realistically, what we didn't talk about is the Rise of Fenris. Mm. The narrative campaign expansion. Which, for spoilers, I won't go into hyper detail on, but it is a narrative campaign where you actually, it's not a legacy game where you're ripping up cards and modifying the board, but you are tracking your progress on score sheets, and based on your progress on the score sheets, different things happen. Uh, There's some story choices, and based on what the game you just played, well, either you'll go with option A or option B based on the vote at the end of the players, but whoever wins tends to have more vote power than the others. Um, the one thing, like Rise of Fenders has a really cool story arc in it, and it is very highly narrative, like the game is trying to pull you into it, and it's a cool story to go through. Um, some interesting unlocks as you go through the game too, and the whole thing can be reset. All positive things about Rise of Fenders. Negative thing about Rise of Fenders, it has a win-more feel. Mm-hmm. There's no real catch-up mechanics, so if you do well in the first game, and then the second game, and then the third game, you're pretty much, unless you make some major errors, are pretty much good to keep winning. Because you get more money, which is how you win, and money can translate into your faction unlocking more abilities as, you, as the campaign progresses. And more money means more abilities, and more abilities means you have a bigger edge on your opponents, which means it allows you to win more, which means you have more money to buy more upgrades. To You see where I'm going. Mm. So the more you win, the more you win. The downside is there's really no way for the factions that don't do well to catch up for you. They don't get like oh free unlocks or or catch up powers or anything like that like a hand like a handicap system or anything like that. So if you play the Rise of Fenris, I do recommend to make sure that everyone is at least even skill level and just watch out for that. You can't catch the person who runs away with the games mm-hmm. um, issue. Now there's a bunch of promo cards out there and they come in packs that you can get on MapleSource.com. They're pretty much all encounter cards, and there's a bunch of them, and they are all crazy amounts of, like, take it or leave it. I love them because they're more art for a game that's already very pretty. Um, There is a Scythe Encounters expansion box, which was a fan-made expansion box. That one is already kind of warned of, like, 
yeah, this is not intended to be balanced. These are kind of crazy. Some of them are cool. Some of them are, like, it's just fan submission ideas. Mm -hmm. Lots of cool stuff in there, but it definitely makes the game wacky if you use them. If you know that going into it, eh, you'll have fun. If you expect it to be balanced, you will be disappointed. It does try to warn you. Uh, and then finally, the newest one that came out last year is actually the Scythe Modular Board. This was also another um, kind of a fan idea that came up. Because essentially, Invaders from Afar was a planned expansion, and Rise of Fenris was a planned expansion. The encounter deck was a community kind of built idea. Wind Gambit was almost... The airship idea was actually kind of a community built idea because the airship was in the cards and people, you know, someone actually developed the idea of the airships and had co designed it. Um, but the Scythe Modular Board was an interesting thing because so many of these territory games, the board's really balanced and really neat and as it is, but that is the one thing that stays the same on every single game you play. The board never changes. Mm hmm. Except for now can. So they have these hex tiles that you can actually lay out on there. And they're designed to kind of be randomized, put out on there. Um, to kind of mix up what's next to what and what's near what's starting home base. Um, the home bases themselves can kind of shift around on the board too. So normally on the main board, um, uh, Polandia is always next to Saxony and Albion. Mm -hmm. And sandwiched between those two. And those are always their neighbors. Not so on modular board. The home bases can be shuffled around too. So you get a lot more out of it that way. Um, I think the modular board is for someone who's played Scythe over 100 times and needs to shape up the board a little bit. It's also nice when you had that one friend who's like, yeah, I'm going to be Polandia uh, because uh, I know exactly what I'm going to be going for the moment I start off. Or... Yeah, good luck if their player board matches it. Yeah. Yeah, the, every faction kind of has what they want to do based on the resources that are near their ter starting home. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't have the player board combination that makes it nice for you, mm -hmm. it can be rough. Yeah. But, yeah, no, um, it's... The module board's a nice little last add-on. I would say the encounter set cards is probably the last expansion that you'd want to get. Invaders from Afar, number one. Number two would be Wind Gambit if airships and different ending conditions sound cooler to you, or um, Rise of Fenris where a campaign mode sounds cooler to you. Mm -hmm. Kind of a toss-up in my book which one's better, because um, I think they add slightly different things. Both are well done, but I would probably say airships and Gambit after playing through the campaign, but that's only because I don't like the fact that there's no catch-up mechanic. Yeah. Um, now, past those two, uh, then I would say Scythe Modular Board, and then finally the Encounters. You can buy the promo pack Encounter sets wherever and whenever you want. They're, they, they pad up the deck pretty fatly because it gets you up to, like, 42 Encounter cards. Mm -hmm. I think it goes up to 42. Um, beyond all, when you get all the promo packs in there. So, it, there's a lot of them. Mm. So, and there's only a fixed amount of counters per game, so you definitely don't get to see a lot of them. Um, unless you have the option to pick two, things like that. So, 
That's the quick and dirty rundown on the expansions for Scythe. Mm. Um, all of which are, are well done. Just some are more critical than others. Mm, yeah. And definitely the game was designed with invaders from afar in, in, in tow. So that's definitely hands down number one. No questions asked. Next question. Next question. All right. So uh, the next time... We are going to be talking about uh, the Rising series, either uh, Thanos Rising or Death Eater Rising. But not Dark Side Rising, because we're not in Europe. Which makes me very, 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 very sad. But all three run off of very similar mechanics, so we should be able, uh, other than not seeing what those cards are, the series itself we can kind of talk about. Yeah. So I feel very confident in being able to give it an accurate view of what all three of them are going to feel like. It's just what flavor are you going to get. Mm -hmm. um, so, that being said, uh, 50th episode upcoming. We're going to kind of take questions uh, and respond to them during that. Mm -hmm. So, email us. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook. Carrier Pigeon. Smoke Signals. Um, and if you're arcane rituals, yeah, whatever sacrifices. Oh no, not to us. Rituals. Okay. Also, if you'd like to try to hunt a killer, because the sicko needs to be caught, use our promo code Arcanum at checkout, and you'll get dollars off. This is also true. Very, very true. And he's still out there because you haven't paid money to hunt him down yet. I'm busy playing other games. He's out there, Justin. Well, he's not out he here in, this, in, in my game room, so... You don't okay. know. You haven't... Are you the killer? I uh, plead the fifth, Justin. Well, this just got awkward. I'm going to defend myself now. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Justin. What? What did the wheat say to the man with the scythe? I'm I, I yield. So next time on Tabletop Arcane... Cut it out. No. No, we'll, we'll use it. Just at the end. <laughs> no. That was a pun. Oh, man. No. I got you again. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. This has been Justin. And Ricky. Are you done? Do you have any more? Is it out of your system? What do you call a smiling man with a scythe? The Grin Reaper. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.